The brilliant horizon is expansive and breathtaking. We take a moment to pause and reflect on the future ahead of us. We see it's filled with infinite possibilities. It does require us to take the first step of faith to move forward. The journey calls to an irresistible drawing of desire deep in your soul, beckoning you ever forward. We're filled with hope and possibility. You must deeply engage in your faith to propel you into inspired action. Come engage with Jennifer Duza and Karen Smith as they lead, encourage, and inspire you through life's pivotal choices. We will focus on leadership, mindset, business, entrepreneurship, faith, abundance, and building your dreams. Jennifer and Karen's personal stories will make you think, laugh, be inspired, deepen your faith, and help you fulfill your own God-given callings. The world needs your gifts and talents. They lie ahead on your brilliant horizon. Welcome to today's episode. Welcome, Brilliant Horizons listeners. Again, we are here, Karen and Jennifer, to expand your mind, enlighten you in some new leadership skills that you are using, or maybe you are having your employees tune in and listen to our podcast because you have found some new information. Well, guess what? Today, we are offering a great one for employees to listen to because we are talking about the differences between employees versus owner or entrepreneur mindset. Love that. This is going to be a really dynamic chat today. And we're so glad all of you guys could join us week after week. If this is your first episode, we encourage you to go back and listen to our previous episodes as well. Lots of value out there for you. So true. And I love using that word value because, you know, most people are looking for what's a great value. Where do I spend my time and get a great value for my dollar? So this is going to be one where we are hoping going to flip your employees' mindsets to talk about the differences in how you as an owner or as a leader might see things differently from them. As we discuss this, we're going to talk about what is the difference between an employee and an owner mindset? Why is it important to know which mindset you're operating in and leaving corporate America to become an entrepreneur? Oh, that's so scary, but so much fun. Oh, it is fun. But let's talk about the differences between an employee versus an entrepreneur mindset. Today, as we go through here, I just want you guys to listen with a sense of awareness to say, huh, which one of these am I actually operating in? Remember, this just gives you a baseline. Don't judge yourself or anyone else. When you hear some of these points, you might be like, oh, well, George in accounting or Fred over here. Don't do any of that. Just listen with awareness and see where you can improve. With employee mindsets, most employees just operate in their specific space and scope, such as if they're in accounting or sales or operations. And that's really where their daily focus is. And honestly, that's where they're paid to focus. And so on one hand, you cannot fault them for that. What happens is, is people get this tunnel vision and all they can see is the specific space that they're operating in. I think this is a fun one. Entrepreneurs say no to opportunities. And Warren Buffett said the difference between successful people and really successful people is that really successful people say no to almost everything. So it's about how and where you're spending your time as an entrepreneur or as an owner versus an employee. It's so true because most employees feel like they have to have a yes response to everything because they work there. And so for those of you who are owners, 
and uh, entrepreneurs be really careful what you ask your employees for make sure it's actually something of value that benefits the business i've seen owners where they'll ask a tremendous amount of their employees who are happy to help deliver but the what they're asking for doesn't actually add any value to the business and one that won't make you any money but your employees will be really frustrated and you'll be even doubly frustrated right <laughs> and that's not a good place to operate a business from and what do you do want to do with these employees are you wanting to develop leaders within your organization? Are you looking to just have a really good employee that clocks in, does their work, clocks out, and they leave? Right. What is it and, that your, your expectations yeah. are? What is it that you're wanting? And for a lot of businesses, they're going to have to be really honest and say they honestly, they just want almost like a robotic check-in do your work at a high level and check back out. And so depending on what kind of business you work in, just be aware of that might be the culture and that might be what they're asking for, but just again, grow your awareness around what's there. Another big difference is that employees are used to multitasking and doing all these mm -hmm. little things because that's what we've been trained in the corporate world. We have to do several different things all at once because our bosses are wanting I need you to do this, 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 and this. Okay, great. I'm on it. An entrepreneur or an owner is used to focusing on one task because they have delegated so many other things out to their employees that they can focus on just one thing. That's what they're doing. That's their job. Right. And this is a really, really good point you bring up, Jennifer, is, is that we do see that. And that's also part of the reason why entrepreneurs or owners are tend to be more successful is because the human brain really doesn't multitask very well. You and I, like, quote unquote, grew up in the season of corporate America where productivity and multitasking was promoted and pushed. And now if they've, as they've done more studies on productivity in the brain, they realize that single tasking is better. But I also think a lot of owners expect their employees to multitask because the owner sometimes has a belief around the value that is created by the employee in relation to the salary that they're being paid. And this is where owners have to step back and say, you know what, if I put someone on a project that it actually would make more money for me if it came to market five months earlier, then maybe you should just have one thing for that employee to do instead of asking that person to take on 40 or 50 items. Um, because in the end, diluted effort results in diluted results. And then you slow down. And when you slow down your revenue and your profits, then your business slows down and no entrepreneur or business owner wants that. So as an owner, be very cautious about why you're asking people to multitask, because if you somehow believe you're not capturing the value back from the salary that you're paying those employees, you need to sit down and examine how you're viewing your actual employee. Mm -hmm. So true. Another big distinction is work-life balance mm -hmm. that employees are saying, it's great. I love my job because I have work-life balance and entrepreneurs. We know that as an entrepreneur and Karen and I are both laughing because we, <laughs> we did this, last, this night. <laughs> last night, we were texting each other late at night saying, you know, how are you? Are you relaxing? What are you doing? And I was like, Oh, busy, busy bee, just doing all these things because there is no work-life balance. You are bringing work home because maybe it's a family business or maybe you are the owner. So there is that constant, I'm always thinking, I'm always working. Yes, you do rest. Mm -hmm. Yes, you might take a vacation, 
but you're probably also taking your business on vacation and working at some point because you have to. There are certain things that you have to do as an owner or as an entrepreneur to keep that business running because you are the only person that does that piece of the business. It is true. Or many times I find even when I was in corporate America as an executive or leader, I would find myself thinking about the problems in the business that we needed to solve or if I had an employee who was just not performing at their peak capabilities or maybe struggling in some area, I was always trying to think about how do I help them or how do we get them over this hump or what do they need? What can we help with? Or what does that person just need to step up with? And, and you're right. It, it, it doesn't ever really end. You make a great point. Yes. As entrepreneurs, we have to intentionally rest. And sometimes to us, rest looks very different than that. And also these days with the advent of the internet and business happening globally, you oftentimes are working 24 seven. I remember being in corporate and we would be having conference calls between Geneva and Hong Kong and, and Denver and Minneapolis and all these different time zones hopping on. Or I remember somebody calling me one time and saying, Hey, can you hop on a quick call with, with Europe? And they're like nine hours ahead and it's three in the morning. And (laughs) you're just like, um, well, I'm not really very functional at three in the morning. (laughs) Maybe could we set it for like 6am and then it's still like noon or three o'clock over there and we can still have a productive meeting, but I'm not in the middle of the night trying to put my thoughts together. (laughs) I was just having a conversation with my son because my voicemail says, let me know what time zone you're in. And people that are regional or local to me will kind of chuckle when they leave their time zone Not realizing that when you are working with several different time zones, wondering why I'm asking to leave their time zone because, well, duh, I'm in your time zone, dummy. I have clients that are all across the world that aren't just regional to me. And so sometimes they don't realize the scope of my business and what I do, that we have businesses all across the world. When you're not thinking in a time zone demographic, I have clients or I have people all across the, even the United States, Mm -hmm. we have just on the mainland, we've got four different time zones. Then you have Alaska, then you have Hawaii time zone. People on the mainland can't even keep time zones straight between East Coast and West Coast. And especially when you're in mountain or central, Mm -hmm. central's a little bit easier because, you know, TV taught us that nine o'clock Eastern, eight o'clock Central, right? Right. We we heard- Nobody talks about mountain time. (laughs) Nobody talks about mountain time. Nobody ever knows what time zone I'm on. Um, They're like, are you an hour? Are you two hours? Or a lot of times they think I'm on Pacific time. Anyway- (laughs) It does, but it's, and that's also a point too, as an owner, like if you do have a business across multiple time zones, be considerate when you ask for those things, just because a a. 7am meeting works for you doesn't always mean that that's what's wise for your team. Now, as an owner, obviously you have um, the ability to dictate whatever you need in your business. And if 7am is the only time you can make it, but having some consideration for how that is spread out really does make a difference. Sure. And and have expectations of, hey, employee in Alaska, I want you to expect you to listen to that recording within the first 30 minutes of your clocking in time and respond back to me by X time. Something that's reasonable, manageable for your employee to come in and, and just be aware of what that might look like for your employee and having that expectation. I don't expect you to come at three o'clock in the morning to a conference call. 
call. It is. And you know, I wish, <laughs> I wish that was a message that when I worked at corporate, it was pretty much like figure it out. That is part of where it makes employees feel like they're not valued or listened to. Now, if someone knows that from the very beginning that say they're working in New York City and they know that the, their main customer is in Geneva, then as an employee going into that, you accepted that job knowing that you needed to be on the G Geneva time. And so you're going to have to suck it up and do that piece, which sometimes people forget too, of like, you know, employees definitely say yes to jobs and then they somehow act surprised when they're asked to do the actual things in the job description. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, um, okay, go back and read it. <laughs> yes. That's a good distinction between an employee mindset and an owner mindset is that an employee tends to focus and expand on the weaknesses of the company. Well, they do this, this, and this. I wish they would do this, this. Uh, this would be so much better. An owner mindset tends to improve skills and think, here's where we need to improve. This is what we need to be doing. That employee might be going, well, how do they expect me to do this when they haven't even addressed this, this, and this? And I think that's what's challenging too, is as you can end up with that gap. And sometimes it just is a totally different viewpoint. And sometimes the owner might have missed something, but other times employees just want to solve or criticize what's in front of them. They don't often want to step up and create new things. If I would have heard that maybe 10 years ago, I would have been like, oh, but I tried and my company just doesn't want to solve those things. There still is a way to be really effective about addressing problems. I can't tell you how many times when I worked in corporate, you'd have one subset of employees where literally all they did was complain about everything. And it's kind of like, well, then why are you even here? They just couldn't see anything good or any kind of solutions. Then sometimes you'd have people in the middle where they would try, but not very hard. Or they would complain to their coworkers, but they would never say anything to the manager. Or you would occasionally get the one person who actually was tenacious enough to keep bringing that up and in a point to a leader where something could be done about it and where they'd bring solutions or options where that was something that the owner or the leader could then take action on. Just remember, it's no different when your kids come to you and they whine about, oh, this is wrong and I don't like this and yada, yada. Some of that, you, there's nothing you can do about it and they're just whining and complaining. So if you are an employee and we all are employees and have been employees is make sure that when you do bring something to a leader, that you're very concise about what the issue is and that you also have also thought of a couple of potential solutions or been able to articulate it in a way, not like, well, George is wrong on this point and you need to fix it. That's one, you're just going to get bad marks against you for whining and tattling. But if you come and say, you know what, I noticed our sales are down 10% this last month. And I think it might've been created by our decision around X. Could we try a different solution to see if it changes the sales next month? That's a beautiful way to communicate back to a leader or owner because then one, a decision can be made and two, it's actionable and it's highlighting a problem without only staying focused on the problem. It's also mm -hmm. bringing a solution instead of just saying, well, it's not my problem. That's often what you see in companies with employees. And, and to be fair, companies have often created this culture is the employee is basically like, it's not my problem. Well, when you're an owner, everything is your problem. It's not necessarily yours to solve specifically, 
but it is your problem. And this is where a lot of owners get really frustrated and will disengage from the business, which of course then leaves the employees if they're not engaged. And if the owner is checked out, then the business implodes. I see this a lot when I have clients who come with to me with a failing business or where frankly the business owner is burned out enough where he's going to shutter what actually is a successful company because he just, he can't deal with it anymore. An employee seeks help. What do you need me to do? What should I do today? And an owner is creating solutions. So I want you to go through in your mind and start thinking about, you need to start getting in a creative solution seeking mindset. That, that's a great example to bring up too, because if you are say a leader or an owner in business, and you're finding that the majority of your employees are coming to you with those kinds of questions, and then standing there expecting you to solve it. One, you're going to have to have some really honest awareness about yourself. One, ask yourself, have I created this by being a micromanager or demanding a level of perfection and excellence that's just not possible? I used to work one time for a business owner where the guy was so brilliant, but he could not communicate to us on the front line what it was he actually wanted. He would just lose his mind over everything that we did wrong. Consequently, no one would take a risk. No one would try anything because he was so over the the top yelling at us. And then he would have to stand there and literally have to stand there step-by-step step and tell people how to do things, which of course was completely insulting to both him and to the employees on an energetic level. Even if nobody was saying that we didn't take any innovation or risks. And he was super frustrated because his ideas were not coming to fruition very fast. And he never did change how he was. And most people end up leaving. But if you are a current owner or leader ask yourself, like, what's the culture that you're creating? Because it does start with you. And if you're a manager or a leader, if you do have someone who's coming to you with solving a problem, ask yourself, like, is this person really just trying to pass the buck? Or is this person actually really stumped? Like they've actually thought about that just to never take anything to a boss in corporate America until I had actually worked on it as best I could, had every idea. And one time I had a leader who was really good. He knew that I would work on stuff till I really, truly got stumped. On the few times that I darkened his door, he was ready to jump in and help me. And then I had another boss who never took the time to understand that about me. And if I came to him, he just will figure it out. And then basically shut his door. Well, which leader do you think I worked harder for? You know, the one who would actually help me when I asked it. So if you do have employees asking for help, also don't ignore that. Just learn how to kind of tell the difference and ask yourself what kind of culture you're creating with your company. What are your personal strengths and weaknesses? Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Are you reading up and looking for new solutions? How can I work with my employees to, instead of having just employees, but how can I create a, a culture of leadership. I want to build leaders. And you know what? I might be building a leader for another company. They might leave me and they might go on to somebody else. It's kind of like a teacher. We have teachers and students in schools. Teachers are teaching to build little mini leaders and little mini teachers within a school. And that's how you start developing, put yourself in that student teacher relationship. A teacher is trying to help develop those skills within you. That's what you're doing with your employees. You're developing their skills. Right. I want to see my employees start developing ownership and leadership skills in this environment. And they might leave me. You're right. They might leave me and go on to another business. 
but I hope that they will think fondly of me as helping to develop their leadership skills and appreciate that and not leave cursing my name because I was a terrible boss. Right. And you bring up a really good point. Sometimes I hear this from owners. They're like, well, employee X is really good. And I think I want to spend some training money on him or I don't, but I don't want him to leave. And my point to them always is, is like, what if you don't train him any stays, then you've just literally shot yourself in the foot. So spend the money on the training, have the guy get better. If he leaves in a few months, oh, well, because if you didn't train him and he stayed the same, your business is going to suffer. So always keep that in mind, even for yourself, if you're an employee, or even if you're an owner and you're going to move on to something else, always get better training, always do that. Now, if you're an employee and you have the mindset of, oh, well, I'll have them pay for training and then I'm going to jump ship. What I will tell you is, is it's very easy for leaders to tell people who are going to do that. So do your part as well. If you're going to get some training from someone, especially a more expensive course, be willing to give the value back to the business for what they invested in you. That's, that's again, part of that. We talk a lot about how money works and things. That's one of those natural laws of, of the giving and the receiving doesn't mean you have to stay forever, but make sure that your company gets some value back out of sending you to that class. Or, and I'm going to throw this in here. What if the company does throw in and say, we want to help you improve your skills. And that employee does stay. doesn't have to be that this employee is going to get this training and then leave. It's we're going to give this person the training. They're going to improve. They're going to stay and they're going to improve the company. That's the whole reason we send them to training is so that they can learn some new skills. They can come in and learn some new processes. Absolutely. And one of the things that as an employee, you can show an owner that you are more leader minded or more owner minded is to constantly be learning and to not only pay for classes on your own, but to ask for those things. I I think about how many times when I was in corporate, they would say things like, oh, we're not giving raises this year. And I would ask them to send me to a training class instead because it gave me some value and it would give them value back as well. So don't be afraid to have that conversation between owners and employees as well. One of the things that I noticed over the holidays, I took a retail job just to, you know, add a little bit of extra money and give myself something to do, keep my skills current. And as I was in that environment, I love observing people. I'm that person that will go to the airport and watch people because I love seeing how different people react to different situations. In this holiday job that I took, I noticed differences between how people reacted to other people that they worked with, other employees. Seeing an employee, and, and typically during the holidays in retail space, you are going to see an influx in seasonal help coming on. And it's interesting to see the differences in those employees that are coming in. Sometimes you're going to have an employee that might have a higher skill set than someone that's worked there for a few years. And that's okay. It's people that are coming in for seasonal help are doing it maybe because they want to pay cash for their holiday gifts. Maybe it's they want to fly somewhere and see family after the holidays. And so this is a way that they can do that. Well, employees tend to get threatened by smarter people and entrepreneurs look at that person and go, I want to hire you. Right. It's because you are great at what you do. You find solutions to problems. Um, 
that is the, the entrepreneur mindset, that enthusiasm that I want to see added to my business. Well, and I think that's the thing that people forget too, whether no matter what level you're at is, is that as an owner, there's a different level of responsibility than what an employee has. And when an owner actually watches an employee take on some ownership for making sure their area is working and functioning really well or meeting a a particular goal or just running it as if they owned it, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, taking some pride in that. And, And I think that's missing from a lot of modern day places. Now, granted, companies also have to help foster that. This is never a one-sided deal. Like if there's an employee issue, there's usually a company issue and vice versa. So we're not saying that, but there are some specific steps that show that whether you're an owner or an employee and an owner and a leader are the ones who create the vision and the mission and the strategy. They have to be thinking ahead all the time. I remember my first leadership job I remember a really good leader friend of mine told me, he said, you know, your job is not to worry about what people are doing every day. He said, you need to be out a couple of miles ahead of your employees, several days ahead, anticipating Mm -hmm. what roadblocks might be thrown in their path in this next month, the next quarter, the next year, the next five years. And your job is to remove as many of those obstacles before they actually get there. And he said, on one hand, your job will be completely exhausting and exhilarating at the same point. And he said, he also reminded me, he's like, if you do your job well, removing those roadblocks, they'll never even know that you removed them or they were there. And he said, which can then lead you to feel like nobody's acknowledging what you do as an, as a leader. And I will tell you, I see this a lot, especially with people on the front lines where they'll say, oh, well, the big bosses just sit up in the offices and they don't do anything. And, you know, must be nice to sit in a chair all day and just do nothing. When in reality, they don't have a clue that that person might be actually making the sales that keep the warehouse or the production plant open for another five years. So that person has a job. And so it's no different than the person up in the office can actually do that job because someone on the front lines is making the cars or the product or offering the service. And so just really learning to know the differences, but value the differences. Everyone needs, it's all interconnected. Everyone needs to have those pieces and when each person is working in their best skill set, the business thrives and everyone greater wealth and value is created because everyone is giving their best, not just like us against them or leaders against employees or vice versa. And so it's an, it's an important point to notice of just the areas of value that are created. Gosh, I hope this helps even one person out there. I didn't understand why I was not a good fit for corporate America. And the reason was, is because it's not about rewarding the hardest working or the most skilled. It was about corporate jungle is like survival of the fittest. It's the old boys club that I loathed. It was because I'm not a guy and I wasn't old, but it was, you know, it was about who you knew or what connections you had. And it drove me a little batty at the time because it was not based on how hard I worked or what skill I learned. 
it was about connections. So true. And in fact, most of the good entrepreneurs I know um, were either fired or let go from corporate America because they were too independent thinking they actually made things happen. And so if you're feeling like that, I mean, first, just have some self-awareness to know where you can truly get better because you can just be a bad employee. And then if you tried to be an entrepreneur, it would not work. But for many of those of us who have found greater success as entrepreneurs, mostly from the standpoint of our ideas can actually have the freedom to grow. It really is powerful to be an owner. And if you feel that call in your spirit, don't ignore it. Work with a coach and kind of see what's real and what, what could really be translated into an actual business. Looking at different a different level in corporate America. For me on the front line, I could follow all the rules, but it was boring and disengaging. There was no time for creativity or space and everything was basically like robotic. And mm-hmm. Yet, even when I got up into the higher ranks, there was an expectation of everyone towed the culture line. And I watched people say yes to things that I'm like, why are you saying yes to that? If you're just saying yes, because everyone else is saying it, then we're not really leading this company. There should be dissension in a tactful (laughs) and polite way. But when everyone is just agreeing with a boss or everyone else, like you are not engaging in any kind of thought diversity or growth. So for those of you who are working at a higher level, or if you're an owner and you don't like it when a leader or an employee challenges you or brings a different idea, you need to kind of slow your roll and see why that offends you. Like they could be bringing you the next million dollar idea and you mm-hmm. need to be able to sort through that. I remember going to this conference. It was early in my twenties and I was working in corporate America. I went to this conference. I got invited and uh, I get there and the owner of the company is coming on the stage and we're in this huge arena and this corporate owner was coming on stage and people were standing up like he was a rock star and they were applauding and they were so excited oh my gosh and I just kept watching this and I was looking around at the people next to me and I had been in the company I don't know maybe like six months or something But I was looking around like, why are they losing their minds over this person? And I turned to the person next to me and I was like, what, why are they so excited? And they're like, she goes, because it's the owner of the company and he's so amazing. And, and I just kept thinking, this is where I'm going to die. I'm not going to drink the Kool-Aid and someone's going to off me because I'm not (laughs) buying into their dream. That was one of the first times that I realized that I am different and I didn't understand it because I didn't buy into the idea of someone just told me this guy is a great guy. I wanted the proof of Mm -hmm. not because I was questioning his authority, but because I just was like, well, okay, well, what makes him so great? Right. You know, tell me, tell me the secret that I need to know (laughs) and come to find out there was no secret. He had just created a company and grew this company. Okay, great. But it was corporate America. Again, it was this old boys club. It was not about, Hey, I have this new great idea that could grow this company. Oh, well, yeah, that's great. But you know, that's, that's not for us. Hmm. So you had to adapt and turn off that piece of Hey, I have this new great idea because that's not what the company was about. They were threatened by smarter people that were coming in and they had to weed those people out because they didn't want anybody rocking the boat. 
Mm-hmm. Now, those people weeded themselves out <laughs> as I did, because I was like, this is crazy Cocoa Puffs. I'm not sure what's going on here. <laughs> it's so true though. And that's why when I discovered direct sales, I loved it so much because everybody was allowed to be their own individual self. Mm-hmm. If you came in and you were smarter than someone, they weren't threatened by that. They welcomed that because they were excited to see where you were going to take how you were running your business. And that's that's a key difference too, because entrepreneurs, business owners, they really get excited when you share an idea with them. In fact, like say you're at your kid's baseball game and you're sitting next to a business owner, you'll probably end up in a really cool conversation with them about something. And then they'll tell another business owner later, like, man, I met this person and they really had some creative ideas. And I really, I think I need to think about this. And that's a big difference too, between an owner and an employee mindset of just what is possible and what can I create? Whereas a lot of times with employees, it becomes about how do I survive this? And again, if you're the owner of a company and that's the actual culture that's been created, you have some work to do as a leader and an owner to clean that up. But consequently too, the same thing with employees is if you're finding yourself not wanting to take responsibility for anything, or I see this a lot in, in the trends now, if people want to be paid for a job before they do it, say example, they want to earn six figures, they want you just to pay that to them coming out of college instead of actually proving why they're worthy of creating the value that then has the reciprocity of that type of, of salary. And as an owner, you really have to be aware of how are you communicating to your employees expectations or what it takes to create that. And don't give them a fuzzy path, give them a very clear path. And this is something that corporations really do in order to not promote people and to spend more money on salaries is they make promotion very confusing and very difficult. And I remember working for a smaller business. And one of the nicest things the owner ever did for me was tell me that I had outgrown his company and I needed to move on. Mm -hmm. And the reason that was such a gift was because he saw that I was still growing and that he didn't have a way to utilize that growth. And he also didn't want me to become stifled or stymied or my growth to stop, even though it was difficult for us to part because we had a good working relationship. Later on, after some of the initial shock and pain kind of subsided, you have the awareness of like, wow, he gave me a great gift because he saw my potential and he knew I needed to grow into the next level. Don't be afraid to help your employees that way too. Now I'm not saying kick your employees out, Honestly, as an owner, when you do have a bad apple, you just need to get rid of them as fast as legally as possible because it's just going to, no bad apple ever turns good by being surrounded by good apples. The good apples always end up rotten because of (laughs) of the- So true. It just creates this toxic culture. So just be aware as an owner- how much influence you do have on the culture. And then for employees, you also are part of the culture. How are you going to engage in that too? And- are you as the employer, the bad apple that's mm-hmm. souring the bunch? Yeah. Seen that what a kind lot. of cr- culture yeah. are you creating? Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, I once worked for a company where they didn't even call their employees employees. They called them human capital. That wow. was basically told you all of, like very openly, like how they actually viewed people. I was young enough in my career. I didn't quite understand the mindset behind that. I had this level of expectation as an employee, which of course expectations you should never have <laughs> because those are bad that they were going to do certain things because they said, oh, well, we care about our employees. But I did not understand that when you don't even call your employees employees, employees, you call them human capital, they're not going to have the connection to actually understand what an individual employee needs. Mm -hmm. After I became aware of that, I ended up moving on, but it gave me a piece of information there too. And so whether your owner or an employee understand how you're viewing your team or how you are being viewed, if you, this goes back to our episode on the law of compensation, if you're doing a job that a hundred million other people can do, you're just going to have to put your head down and do that. But if you're in a unique position of creating value, you have some different things to bring to the table, which are going to be seen in a different light by the owner, which is good. Another point that typically happens with an employee versus a entrepreneur mindset is that you typically as an employee see a short portion or short-term goals. I've got this project and I'm going to bring it to completion. You're going to start on this project. You're going to finish it as an employer you're not just looking at the small projects all bunched up together. You're looking at the big picture. As you've heard me talk about breaking down a goal into hunks, chunks, bites, and nibbles, that you're taking all those nibbles, all those bites, all those hunks, and that's the big picture. And that's what you're leading up to. So an employee doesn't see the big picture. They're just looking at, okay, I got to take this little bite here and do this little project. Okay, here's another little bite. And I do this project. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I was telling Karen, one of the great things about this part-time job that I took was that I was an employee. I clocked in, clocked out. I didn't take work home with me. It (laughs) was was quite enjoyable actually to have no responsibility. Because I had had so much responsibility that going into this, it was, I was just a free bird floating around. (laughs) Where am I needed? I'm just having fun while I'm here. And it it was, it ended up being my fun little gig that I got to do. It also makes you appreciate being an entrepreneur and an owner and coming in and doing things that you really want to do. It is. And you know, that's the perfect point is like the buck stops here with the owner. And typically too, owners and leaders are usually a year to 18 months ahead of where an employee is now in terms of working on a project. So if you're maybe building a building for a company, um, the owner or the leader is probably already 18 months down the road on another project mentally um, working on something. And so maybe today you're building something, a pieces or parts, and they're already ordering something for a project 18 months from now. So there is just a totally different level of thinking and work there. And the other thing is with an owner, you really have, as an owner, you really have to ask yourself, like, am I working on my business or am I working in my business? So 
for owners, particularly entrepreneurs, it's really tempting to get inside the business and start working and helping. And sometimes you have to do that if you're short an employee or if you're with a specific customer, you have to find the jobs that only you can do, that you're the best at it. You need to put your work on that or the same thing of you need to be finding capital and, and doing strategic planning or being aware of where does the company go in six months versus saying, oh, today I'll work the front and take customers or maybe you own a restaurant and so you're out there waitressing waiting tables when instead you should be in the back planning menus for the next six months and ordering food or figuring out food costs because the profitability of the business is more important than you actually waiting tables you can hire somebody to wait the table. You've got to focus on the things that only you can do in the business. And a lot of business owners get this confused. They think they have to either do everything or they end up doing what they know instead of what is actually what they should focus on. I was working with an entrepreneur who has an amazing food stuff that he's creating and he's enjoyed a lot of success moving it at a farmer's market where he was used to working daily with consumers and he really enjoyed the people and the conversations. Well, as he grew, he, he would miss certain deadlines of ordering raw materials or things. So then he began to run out of materials to sell at the farmer's market. He ended up having to hire someone to run the farmer's market booth so he could spend the time making sure that the business had all the supplies that it needed in a timely amount so that they could actually grow the business and continue to serve the customer. Whereas if he had just stayed working the front of the booth, they would have folded after several months because there was nothing to sell to the, the customer. Those are such great points. It really makes a big difference once you start looking at what is an employee mindset versus an entrepreneur or an owner mindset. Also employee mindset. So employee mindset operates in their specific space and scope. So like an accountant, sales, operators. We also have capital is dependent on company's reputation and results versus an individual. How problems are dealt with, mm -hmm. thought process, not, it's not my problem. <laughs> yep. And then an owner mindset, the buck stops here. Vision, mission, foresight are all parts of an owner mindset. It's a different level of responsibility. And there's a lot of delegation that goes on. Mm -hmm. When you are an owner mindset, it's working on or in. Yep. So how do we shift a mindset or improve? Well, we start with awareness and observation. We look at strengths and weaknesses. We read and we get a coach or a mastermind group to start working with so that we can start developing our skills and improve ourselves. So Jennifer, let's talk a little bit right now about how do we start to begin to notice the difference between an employee versus an owner mindset and how can we improve this? That's a great question, Karen, because as we go through this and we're starting to look at ourselves, am I an employee or am I an entrepreneur? I may be an entrepreneur on the books, but I still may have an employee mindset. Mm -hmm. We really have to first take a look at ourselves to see where am I, where is my mindset and where do I want to be? Right. Where does my business need to be in the future? And am I looking big picture or am I just looking at the tasks at hand? 
I love that. And, you know, if someone wanted to, I would say in a very practical way, if you're an owner, maybe just take the next week ahead to just observe how you made a decision. Do you make all the decisions or have you delegated some decisions to the appropriate people? Or are you working on today's stuff or are you working on something one year in the future? Or are you working on things that only you can do? Or are you working on things that your employees could easily handle? And and actually be really careful with this area because you probably can delegate 90% of what you do to someone else. It's just a lot of entrepreneurs don't want to do that. And then conversely, as you know, your observations and grow in your awareness, don't be judging yourself, just observe and say, huh, I could have made a different decision on that piece. And then you can begin to list where you feel like you have some strengths and weaknesses. And maybe you're super good at delegating, but you're not good at the strategic planning or foresight. And then once you've identified your weaknesses and strengths, then you can begin to work sometimes with a mastermind group or a coach or mentor to help strengthen those areas. Mm -hmm. Such great points. Thanks, Jennifer. This was a really dynamic conversation today. And I really want to just convey to our listeners that this is a really important subject to really just engage in and think about it. And if you heard something today that kind of made you go, huh, I need to look at that. Or maybe you were nodding your head a few times about, oh, I agree with that. Or I wish I could change that. Remember, these things start with you. So if you want to do better as an owner and as an employee, just start doing something better today and it really will pay off. We appreciate your time today. And as always, we love to hear your feedback. If you have ideas or add to the list about what makes a great owner mindset or an employee mindset, um, obviously there were, we could talk about this topic for weeks. <laughs> Here's to always growing your business and well, more wealth and abundance to you all. Well, thank you, Karen, for sharing in this conversation with me. We hope that you and your employees have gotten some great information out of this conversation. And we look forward to having you on our next Brilliant Horizons. Take care, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. We hope you found value in what you heard today. Drop us a note to let us know your favorite takeaway or application from today's episode. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any episodes. While you're there, be sure to leave us a review. And as always, if you're ready to grow and advance your own God-given callings, contact Jennifer or Karen for personalized coaching. Don't let your dream go one more day without living it out.